Hello and welcome to the Luke Miller Podcast. I'm glad that you're able to join me today. On this week's episode, we're starting a new series taking a look at Romans chapter 15, all about doing life together. We're going to spend some time over the next couple weeks taking a look at what it means for us to worship together, what it means for us to pray together and gather together. It's going to be a great series. I'm glad that you're able to join me for it. So grab your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 15, and let's dive in. Today we start our new series in Romans chapter 15, which is all about how we come together in in unity, in the different areas of what it means to be a Christ follower. And and for some of you, you may have been a part of a team before. And, And it's one of the unique things I think about Christianity as well, about how much of it is so individual, your relationship with Jesus, yet so much of it is about bringing others along and discipling them and being discipled yourself. Uh, And and for those who've been a part of a team, you can understand a bit of this concept, whether it is sports, whether it's something at school or something academic. There's something to say about when a team gets motivated together. And and out of that, you get some amazing stories of, of underdogs, people who you'd least expect to win, yet somehow uh, end up pulling out a win. And, and in the world of Christianity, I think it's important for us to take a look at, at something that's unique in the unity of being Christ followers. When a lost person comes in the doors of a church, they sit down and they look around and, and see a th- uh, you know Christians sitting around singing praises to God. And that has an impact on them because with one heart and one voice— They are glorifying God together. Uh, There's something very unique and powerful in that. And and today we're talking all about unity and and how beautiful unity in the church can be. And, And the reason I want to talk on this and even in this is because when I, I mean, like all things, I like to preach through the Bible verse by verse and And this section is about unity, and this section is one that I think allows us to, as we live our lives, realize that we're not the only ones who are on this journey following Christ. There's something about it that God called us to that we know that we need to do life together with other Christ followers, to support each other, to to share in victories together, to mourn together as well. So as we take a look at Romans chapter 15, of course, in in true form, I think we should go back and take a a brief look at Romans chapter 14, uh, which hopefully is just one page back. And and I really want us to to turn back to that verse 1 and read that verse before we go into chapter 15, verse 1, which introduces the whole subject. Uh, So it, it says, accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. Those non-essentials in Christian life that Christians often argue about is what Paul is talking about here. And now having said that, we can turn over to Romans chapter 15, verse 1 and 6, and pick up the, the text that we're looking at right now. Because he continues with this, with this exact discussion that he started one chapter earlier. We who are strong, it starts off with. And you see, Paul considered himself to be strong, a mature believer. And, and of course... That kind of strength is relative, but we are all weak compared to God. And then he says, we ought to bear, a word meaning to carry, uh, 
on with the failings of the weak and not please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor, not for his good, or please his neighbor for his good, sorry, to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, and this is a, a quote from Psalm 69 right here, the, uh, the insults of those who insulted you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was meant was written to teach us, so that through endurance and the and the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. Then Paul uh, breaks and stops for a little bit of a prayer here, where he says, "May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you this give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ." So let's talk a bit about this principle of unity. And and I want to talk about two things. First, I'm going to I'm going to be talking about God's principle of unity. Uh, and I don't want to spend too much time on that top uh, on the topic because secondly, I want to talk about how we can promote unity with within the church uh, and, and as Christ followers. But let's talk about unity in a, in a in a broader sense first, in a broader biblical sense. And and I can see that there's, you know, really th- three things about unity in the Bible. First, that unity, there's unity in diversity, uh, and it's beautiful. It's beautiful because we are such a diverse people. Christ followers are from all different walks of life. We act differently. We look differently. And we have different temperaments. We have different idiosyncrasies. And the beautiful thing about that is that Christ is called each and every one of us. Uh, and and so we can start to see this. I think sometimes when God looks at the church, uh, he's saying, come on, guys, why can't you just get together? Why can't you just work together with one voice and, and in one direction? And the thing is that, that the thing that makes the church such a positive impact in the world is the unity that we experience. And I think it's important for us to, to take note of that. Now, while we may have unity, we may all be called to different areas on the mission of God. That that theme that unifies us is that God is calling us to build his kingdom. That, that thing that unifies us is understanding that Jesus is coming again. And that we have to act with urgency in order to let others know about the saving grace of Jesus. I use the example on Sunday of how there are how you turn on a commercial and it'll say four out of five dentists approve or recommend Colgate. Then four out of five dentists recommend Crest and four out of five dentists recommend another brand. And and while we wonder who the fifth dentist is who doesn't recommend toothpaste at all, I think the important thing is understanding that there are four dentists that it's not that they are saying we we like one brand or the other. What they're saying is we believe that you should use toothpaste. There's something that that unifies them. And and the challenge for us as Christ followers is to understand what are the areas that unify us. There are many many different interpretations of how Jesus is uh, of when Jesus is coming again and and how we interpret revelation. Uh but the one thing that we do know for certain Five out of five Christ followers should believe that Jesus is coming again. When? Not even the Son of Man knows, uh, the Bible says. And so so we focus on the things that unify us. We know that Jesus died for our sins, for God so loved the world. And we 
It should be that five out of five Christ followers believe that for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. Uh, and, and so there is something in unity that even as God is calling us to different locations and, and different ministries, that the mission is something that unifies us to go and build his kingdom. And, and, and that leads us kind of the second part, that unity is not uniformity. A lot of people are confused by this. Uh, some people think uh, that think unity in the church is when everybody looks exactly alike, thinks exactly alike on everything, smells alike on everything, that, that everyone's just a cookie cutter uh, and, and looks identical. Everybody looks the same. And that's not what unity is. And that's not what Paul is talking about here. The thing that makes unity miraculous is that we're such diverse people. We are unique. If you don't believe, if you don't believe that God is a God of variety, you know, all you have to do is look around on a, on a Sunday and look around in your community and, and at Christ followers across the world, worshiping in different ways. And you can see that God loves diversity, and there's unity in that. Nobody looks exactly the same, except maybe identical twins. But but at the same time, we have to understand that there's something very unique. When people have different preferences, different tastes, different appearances come together in unity, it's beautiful. And, and I hope that we, uh, as churches in North America, like uh, or understand that the church is a place where Different folks experience unity together, no matter what that is, no matter what walk of life that you you come to. And, and so we have to understand that. So there is unity is not uniformity. But it's understanding that our mission that God has given us is one that should unify us in the things that we can rally around. I think the other thing, too, is that we have to understand that this is a little more difficult, too, is, is understanding that we can't create unity. We can only keep it or, for that matter, disrupt it, I guess we could say. We can either keep it or kill it, uh, but we can't just simply create it. And, and sometimes people say, we've got to come together and create unity. No man can make unity. Only God can. If you look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Our only job is to keep it. Only the Spirit of God can create it. Man's efforts at unification never work, and, and that's just a blanket statement that I think we can all understand. If you turn on the news at anywhere at any time, you'll understand that we're not too great at unification. Sometimes you get a group of people together and they meet and they say, uh, and they speak with one voice and, and say, okay, well, that's unity. But, but that is unity in only one area, right? There's no, there is no, absolutely no unity when you look at the fact of, of something that it's something that we can create. If you look back at the history of the world and take a look at often when we think unity, we think peace. And if you look at when there has truly been no war in the world over the last 4,000 years, you can see that there's only been true peace for only about uh, two total years. Uh, and which is, which is a crazy statistic. So, so we understand that unity comes in different forms. We can't create it. We understand that that unity is not uniformity. We're all diverse. We're all different people with different idiosyncrasies. Uh, and and 
that that diversity is beautiful. That's what God wants. So how do we promote unity? Unity is from God. Uh, we can't create unity. We can only maintain it. And I want to talk a bit how we promote it. How do we how do we keep it? There are some things that you and I can do to practically maintain and to promote and to enhance the unity of Christ followers. And and I want to touch upon them. And and Paul touches upon them in the six verses in our text. And it goes bit by bit through that. In verse 1 of chapter 15, it says, We who are strong ought to. Ought comes, that word ought comes from that Anglo-Saxon word meaning owed. That means that you and I have a debt that we should pay, that we owe newer and weaker Christians to support them and to encourage them, even when they fall, even when they stumble, even when they don't believe what we believe about certain things. And these issues are something that we talk about. We are there to support them, not to judge or criticize them. And if you look at verse 1, it says to bear with the failings of the weak. Now, in Rome, the problem was is the weaker and newer Christians had come from Jewish backgrounds, and they were very worried that if they ate meat from that had potentially been sacrificed uh, to another idol or to an idol, that when they would eat that meat, it would be they themselves would become contaminated. The stronger Christians were saying, well, it's only Christ who saves. The, it has nothing to do with meat. But you have to understand that these weaker Christians were coming from a Jewish perspective where they were wrestling with, uh, where they would have kosher laws. And, and what they ate was something that was very, very important. And, and so this is what these two groups, these two groups are, are wrestling with. And, and bear with the failings of the weak. It's not that they were, uh, it's not that they were heretical in any way. Uh, what it was is that they weren't strong enough to recognize some of the, the aspects of their life. Like anytime you try something new um, and and try something new, even when you've been doing it for a while. One of the things that I, I, I use as a good example of this is I play golf right-handed. Now, if you give me a left-handed club, I will be able to hit the ball. Where I hit the ball is an entirely different story because because you know some of the mechanics, but everything is just not working in the right way. <laughs> it's like why, same if you ask if you're playing baseball and you ask someone to throw with their left hand instead of the right hand, they'll throw the ball, but it's so it, but it certainly won't look normal. <laughs> and and that's kind of what we look at in this in this setting here in verse 1 is there were strong Christians and there were weak Christians those who had 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 a background of growing up Jewish but now they see that they'd been looking for a messiah and they had found that messiah in Jesus and so they're trying to get a, a grasp of some of the the finer points of what it means to be a Christ follower the Bible challenges us that we are the ones who are supposed to be taking care of the spiritually immature, helping them get to that point where they, in fact, are mature. And so, again, part of that foundation is us understanding that uh, that in our diversity, we have unity. Okay? If we take a look at the, the second point is that we need to, you know— Paul challenges us in verse 2 to seek to please others, not ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor. Look at the last part of of verse 1, not please ourselves. You see, the greatest enemy 
to unity in the church is selfishness. I firmly believe that. Uh, this is what I like. This is what I don't like. If I don't get pleased at church, I'm going to complain. If I'm not happy, I'm just not going to come back. Uh, and and selfishness is the biggest danger to unity in a church, forgetting that you are part of something greater, something larger. Part of, of unity is you, you try to please other people and you don't try to please yourself. You may... You, you may be able to think of, of different ways in which this has happened and, and understand that, I mean, we often find ourselves talking about this with worship, and we'll get to that on a, a separate podcast a couple of weeks from now and understanding worship uh, and unity in that. But you're listening to, you're singing and worshiping on a Sunday, and all of a sudden you get to a song that you don't know. And you're like, well, I don't like that song. I've never heard that song, and, and, and so I'm not happy now. Yet it, if you ever have a chance, you can look around and you can probably someone see someone worshiping their heart out to that very song, realizing that that heart or that song is ministering to them. The selfish thing for me to say is, well, uh, I'm going to make sure I let the worship team know what I feel about that song. The selfless thing to do is saying, look at God's people worshiping and where where I might not know this song, I see that that as a church, we are coming together and worshiping, and people are worshiping in this song. Uh, we, we do this uh, we, we do this all the time in, in all different areas. And, and like I said, selfishness and the attitude that we can have is, can be so disruptive to the unity of the church. The best way that Paul challenges us to not be selfish is to find a good role model. In fact, wouldn't you know, that's how discipleship works. As we look to disciple those who are not mature Christ followers, we ourselves are also called to be discipled. We don't just don't hit the peak of our discipleship and say, yay, I've got it. I'm done. Perfect. Now I can sit back and relax. Uh, and, and the way that Paul points to this is in verse 3, for even Christ did not please himself. And he quotes Psalm 69. All that means is that Jesus himself uh, was insulted, but he did not try to please himself. He did not try to retaliate or defend himself. He just kept on doing what God wanted him to do. That's why Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, Christ is our goal, our vision, our example. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that sat before him endured the cross, scorned the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Did, did you know that Jesus was insulted? Uh, and and while he was ministering on earth, they looked at Jesus and they said, sure, you do miracles, but you do it by the power of Beelzebub. They were saying you do it by the by demon possession. In other words, they said you do it by the power of a demon. You're demon possessed, and they called him the son of a demon. He didn't retaliate. You know why? Because look at verse three: the insults of those who insulted you, God, have fallen on me. So. So Jesus says, understand that, that when people insult you, they're insulting me. They've fallen on me. Uh, and, and I'm taking up my cross for you. There's all sorts of ways in which people can insult you. And yet Jesus was insulted and insulted. And he was even insulted when he was hanging on the cross. They said he saved others. 
Why can't he save himself? It was, it was it wasn't that he couldn't save himself. It was that he would not save himself. Don't you believe that that Jesus could have called down 12 legions of angels and saved himself? Of course he could. But he didn't. You know why? Because he was focused on the mission of God. He wasn't trying to please himself. He was doing what was best for you and for me. And and so when we say that we want to promote unity in the church, to promote unity amongst Christ followers, it's understanding that we have to pray that God would take away any selfishness that we may have. Uh, and and live a life that takes away any uh where, where we ask God to take away that selfishness and replace it with selflessness, understanding that there are those around who need our help and that we ourselves need help at some times. And, and we're challenged by this uh, to do two things, and then I'm going to leave it with this today, is one, we can find unity as, as we read that in verse 4, for everything was written in the past, which is talking about the Old Testament, uh, to teach us so that it gives us endurance and encouragement of the scriptures that we might have hope. That is what the word of God does. Give us encouragement and gives us endurance through the trials, through the struggles, but also as encouragement to be motivated in unity. Uh, and and so there's that focus again of understanding the authority and accepting the authority of the Bible and what, how God is speaking to us through that. The other is to pray for unity within the church, which Paul does in verse 5. May the God who gives endurance, and he's praying as he's saying this, give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus. So not only are we supposed to accept the word of God, we are supposed to pray for the unity of the church. And not say, God, I pray that everybody thinks like me. That's not what we're doing. But it's pray that we'll be united on the mission of God to build his kingdom. Uh, to promote the fact that we know Jesus is coming again. To promote the fact that we know that God loved the world so much that he sent his son. And then when we do that, you get to the that last verse 6 and you understand that when you pray uh, for unity and when you keep unity in the church, then all of a sudden you can join with others in praising God and glorifying God so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Singing praises every day, not just Sunday, but, but when we come together on Sunday with one voice, we sing praises to God. And, and that promotes and enhances the unity of church. When a lost person comes in the doors of, of a church and they sit down and they look around, they should see people singing praises to God. And I believe that this has an impact on them because with one heart and one voice, we are glorifying God together. As we take a look at this, and take a look at what unity means for us. My prayer is that today we pray that God take away any selfishness that we have so we can be focused on the mission of God. There are people out there without Jesus. And, and one reason they are going to, to hell is because we are maybe debating over how many angels can dance on the head of a pin when Jesus is coming again uh, what is the date that Jesus is coming again how is Jesus coming again uh, or or different areas of, of Christianity which is great to talk about but what we need to do 
is join hands together and show everyone and show the world that Jesus is the answer. I think that is a great place for us to finish today. Uh, I'm going to leave it there. And next week, we're going to jump into more about the idea of being together. Uh, Once we've established unity, now what does it look like, the different areas of life as a Christ follower, to do that in unity together? Thanks for joining me today. I'm excited for this series. I hope you are too. Have a great week. I'll talk to you then. Thank you for joining us on the Luke Miller Podcast, part of Sunrise Digital Ministries at Sunrise Community Church in Fair Oaks, California. If you're wanting to know more about our digital ministries, you can download our app at the Google Play Store or the Apple Store, where you'll find Backshed Bible Study, Sunday Sermons, and the Luke Miller Podcast. If you've got questions about who Jesus is or what it means to be a Christ follower, we would love to connect with you. And you can send us a note at www.sunrise.church welcome, and we'll get you connected. Thanks again for joining us. Take care.